0: Hello and welcome to Cage Fighting, it's your main man Andy Gillard here, hope you're all doing well right now.
1: I'll finally get to go second, it's a <laughs> dream come true. Good morning everyone.
0: Yes, yeah, so as you can tell, we are a man down, or should that be a guy down this week, Matt is currently enjoying the cold and wind and rain up in Wee Scotland in his camper van. But worry not, we do have a trusty replacement, the man who answers any and all daft questions you may have. Mr David Evans, hello Dave, welcome back. Hello, thanks
2: for having me on. It's great to be back. It's good to be back talking other things than questions.
0: (laughs) So Dave, you were supposed to be back on before you were grounded to discuss Army of the Dead. I'm just springing this on you right now. (laughs) What did you think of Army of the Dead? Did you enjoy it?
2: No, I... I did. I thought it was one of those kind of just silly action films, really. it's one of those ones where I thought you could watch it. You didn't really have to think much about mm. it. Um, I liked the heist element into it. I actually like the fact that I only found out today that uh, Dieter's getting his own prequel film, which they've started yeah. filming, which yeah. I'm really looking forward to. That. I really liked his character. The one thing that blew my mind, though, and I'm, I'm sure you probably talked about it in the episode which I messaged you about afterwards is the um, who played the helicopter pilot? Yes, yeah, yeah. Tignataro. That that not just her character, but how she was in the film. Yeah, and how never would have her. incredible work that was. But yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. it. You know, it was a nice film just to put on. You can go a bit brain dead with it and, mm. and enjoy it. it.
0: Wasn't challenging. No. <laughs> Obviously, last week, Dave, we did a half-time review. So we talked about our favourite family comedy, documentaries, thrillers. Was there any shows or films that you've seen between January and June this year that uh, you think deserves highlighting?
2: Yeah, so first one for me has got to be Bo Burnham's comedy special, Inside. It's easy one of the best things I've seen this year, if not for the last two or three years. I just think, well, I think firstly, from a technical point of view, how he put that together, you could see he spent a shitload of money getting all that equipment into what was probably what, a quite a small apartment. And just the, 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 the creative mindset of how he edited that all together and knew what he was going to do for each song. And then on the, on the comedy element, I just thought it was an incredible modern-day view of the online world. You know, Mm -hmm. uh, not just how people, that, that internet song, that's a bit like a panic of the disco style song. Yeah. It's incredible. And the, the, the the white women of Instagram song and the the visuals for that. It's just incredible. And just, I think how he takes the mick out of people who go on, who do YouTube channels and podcasts and (laughs) things like that. It's just, you, you kind of sit there and watch it, especially when you've been part of that world in different facets and go, yeah. That's mm-hmm. that exactly what it's like and that's it's the it's the fun and flaws of of that world that you just got to embrace um, mm, totally. I just saw that the it was just incredible incredible mm. insight to to what's kind of what's going on with our digital world at the minute
0: mm. I, I, Funnily enough I watched it again last night I've probably watched it four or five times yeah. since it was released and I never noticed it but in the white woman's Instagram the whole video is shot with the um oh the ratio the, the ratio of a oh, phone yeah. screen. Yeah. And then except for the part when the character that he's playing starts to talk about how much she misses her dead mom and all that. Mm. And it pans out into the normal screen mm. and then goes back into the phone screen. The, the yeah. separating the online persona with the actual persona. I thought that was genius. Yeah. Like
2: I hadn't, I hadn't thought of that actually. Just yeah. now, I need to go back and watch that bit now. But that, yeah. again, just another level. And I think because it was during lockdown, there was a, some heart to it as well. You mm. very much got the sense of it that there was times which he kept in that he was genuinely struggling mm-hmm. and genuinely struggling whether he should even either be putting this together or he was probably halfway through something and thought, now I've got to yeah. have a break. So, and I think it then- was all, all I was going say. It was just a good representation of what a mm. lot of people felt like in the last eighteen months.
0: Yeah. But the thing I love about Bo Burnham, I don't know if you've seen his other shows, um, but I think it's what, I think it is, I think it's his first mm. one. He does this thing where he's walking on stage and he knocks his bottle of water over and then this song starts playing, which starts saying, you think you did it on, you think you did it? it's an accident, but it was on purpose, art is a lie. <laughs> and there's parts in, inside where you're watching you're thinking, is that, Performative or is that real? You just don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that, that's what I love about Bo Burnham.
1: Who have yeah. I never heard of this before?
0: I've mentioned it a few times, Stu, yeah. in, in the group chat. Um I'll send you some links to some of his songs that they're really good. He's a musical comedian. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And and they range from very, very deep and meaningful to something like repeat stuff, which is just a piss take of boy bands. Oh, excellent. Mm. So, he, he, yeah, he's got a whole range of just excellence. He's, he's yeah. No, Karen, all, all, sorry,
2: sorry all I was going to say is I think there's about two or three different comedy specials on Netflix as well, which I never knew were there until mm-hmm. I watched it Inside. It's like, okay, I'll, I need to go check these out. But, yeah, just incredibly talented person. And mm-hmm. I was just yeah. like, why have I not discovered him before?
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, everyone needs an into Bo Burnham. He directed a film called Eighth Grade as well, which I think is well worth a watch. It's also another exploration of... This time it's about a young person and their online relationship. It's really, really interesting.
2: I I didn't realize he directed that.
0: Yeah, wrote and directed it.
2: Wow. Okay. I think he's he's ridiculous. I think I I remember because I I remember messaging you about it ages ago when I saw it.
0: Mm. Um,
2: But yeah. Okay. Another layer of why I like that film now then.
0: Yeah. He's he's too talented to be (laughs) only thirty years old. It's (laughs) terrible. But yeah, brilliant.
1: There's one from 2013 on Netflix as well. What? Yeah. Mm. So, yeah,
0: you've got What? Um, oh, shit. I can't remember what the second one, is. And then make you've got happy. Make Happy. Yeah. And then you've got Inside. Um, but he had a whole career before doing mm. What? Like, I think he broke through when he was 18 or 19 in the YouTube world, just making silly songs in his bedroom.
1: Oh, this is sadly covered now. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: yeah it, it's something you can dive deep into, and I think you'll, you'll get a lot out of it. So, I think we'll start off with some news. And first off, it's a bit of sad news, unfortunately. One of the Hollywood immortals has finally shuffled off this mortal coil, Richard Donner, a man whose career spanned five decades started out on TV series Zane Grey Theatre, which I'd never heard of, but he then moved on to do stuff like The Twilight Zone and The Man From U.N.C.L.E. He then made the jump to the silver screen in the 70s, finally making his mark on pop culture with 1976's The Omen, followed by Superman, Superman 2, The Goonies, Scrooge, Maverick, and, of course, the Lethal Weapon series. As well as directing, he was a prolific producer. The Lost Boys, Free Really Tales from the Crypt, Any Given Sunday, X-Men. And he even wrote a Superman story in 2009, which, oddly enough, I bought the trade paper back a couple of weeks ago because I really wanted to reread it, and it's, like, bagged and boarded over there, and I don't want to, <laughs> d- like, dig through all of my uh, other comic books to try and find the original. Um, but, yeah, d- he passed away on the 5th of June at the grand old age of 91, uh, he was a giant of Hollywood, and it is a sad, sad loss, gentlemen. Any films um, directing or producing from Richard Donner that you'll be revisiting?
1: Funny enough, I was listening to an episode of um, *Beetlejuice Babylon* the other day, and they, they did *Goonies*, mm. and I haven't seen *Goonies* for years. Obviously, you hate it because it's fun. Um,
0: <laughs> I don't hate it. I just I don't remember it.
1: <laughs> but I ain't seen it for a, a good ten. 10- Ten years, so I need to go and I just had the urge to go and watch it again. It's like it's the kind of thing that used to be on a, when you were a kid it's in the summer holidays, it all mm, the time, that yeah. kind of thing. So that and the like Flight of the Navigator, etc. But um, yeah, Lethal Weapon for me, I love them films.
0: Mm. Yeah, I, I don't think I've seen the fourth one, but I enjoyed the mm. first three. They 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 are good, fun films, and it it was before Mel Gibson was a harass, so it's, it's kind <laughs> of accepted <expected>
2: to watch. <laughs> I mean, I, I was surprised that Richard Donham was still going to be directing the new Lethal
0: Weapon. Oh, right. I hadn't yeah. heard that. that yeah. oh, that's, so that the fact that he great. still
2: to direct that is incredible. So he must have felt at the time he was all ready to go. So it'd be interesting who they bring on now to yeah, finish that really. off. Um, but I'm with Shooter, The Goonies, for me. Hmm. It's one of my favourite films. Um, I kind of The Goonies, it's one of those ones where... As a kid, when you watch it, it feels like a film that you could believe that could happen to you with your friends. <laughs> it's what I like yeah. to call the "go on an adventure and be home time for tea" kind of film. You can imagine Definitely. going out for the day with your friends, going up to like a wacky adventure, but then still be home for time for tea. Uh,
1: but yeah, I just think a lot of it's about the Goonies. I really like. But uh, yeah. yeah, every everyone went in in the other uh, granddad's loft just to have a look just in <laughs> yeah, case yeah, yeah. <laughs> after that.
0: Yeah, brilliant. Uh, Here are some words from Jeff Johns of DC Comics and Kevin Feige from the Marvel, talking about the importance of Richard Donner on the current cinemascape.
3: That Dick and his wife Lauren gave me my first unpaid job in Hollywood, (laughs) my first part-time job in Hollywood, my first full-time job in Hollywood, and my first producing credit, um, of which it's the only reason I'm standing here. The other... Reason is because the films Dick made inspired me to even want to go down that track. And of course, in particular, Superman the movie is still to this day the archetype of the perfect superhero film origin story. And we watch it before we make almost any one of our films. And that's been the case for the past uh, 17 years since I left the fold to go work for, for Marvel. There was a word, Dick has a very good vocabulary, And there was a word that I was never able to pronounce, but I always understood, which was verisimilitude. And he used that word while making Superman 1. And I first learned that not because it's hanging above Dick's office, which it was for many years, but because I saw him talking about it in the ABC making of Superman special when I was a kid. Uh, And it, it basically means be truthful, honor the source material, believe in it, take it seriously. Um, and that is what we strive to do. And, and John Favreau, on the very first Marvel Studios production, copied that and, and put it above his doorway.
4: And the and the other thing that Dick did, and I'm so honored to be here and standing here with Kevin, it's 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 just so wild and and uh, and great. But the other thing that uh, really inspired me about Superman is when I worked for Dick, I would I do everything. I would research. Hot tubs, uh, planes, um, you know, also sort of gas his car up, which, I, which I'll talk about later. And, uh, and, and I'd also go into this, he had this giant bathroom at Warner Brothers. It was, and it was basically a storage room. He just threw all sorts of trash in there. And I was like this guy, creepy guy, going, going through his trash. And I found this Superman script that was, it was like 300 pages. And I, I pulled it out and I go, Dick, what is this? And he said, oh, that's the first script from Superman that they sent me. I couldn't believe it. And I, I read through it. I, Kevin and I looked at it, and they had a scene in it where Superman's looking for Lex Uther, and he flew down, and is a bald guy, and he turns around, and it's Telly Savalas, and he's like, who loves you, baby? <laughs> and and I was like, this is crazy, and Dick said, you know, and, and he's told the story a lot, how the Salkinds called him and said, we're going to give you a million dollars to direct this movie, but it was really as much as Dick likes money, I think is really uh, more about. He said, "I think uh, going to give me a million dollars," but then I got this script and it was so terrible. He said, "I have to save Superman," and and he did. And that's why he took it because he loved the character so much, his American icon, and he had so much passion for it. He said, "I can't let this happen," and uh, and he made the greatest superhero film still ever.
0: So, gents, we've had the first plot information to come out regarding Black Panther Wakanda Forever. The official plot synopsis has hit the dirt sheets. Both Wakanda and Atlantis are hidden civilizations with advanced technology and increased militaristic abilities that decide to separate themselves from the rest of the world for their own safety and, in a way, out of fear. Wakanda feared their technology would be abused. Atlantis feared that surface dwellers would come and desecrate a mythical city, just as they did so many years ago. And yet their fears escalate even further when these two once hidden nations clash with each other. Wakanda and Atlantis have a shockingly intertwined history. As the synopsis goes on further, Namor the Submariner gets a mention. Uh, Namor, his other name is Namor the First Mutant. So, this could possibly be a way of bringing the X Men into the world as well. Uh, It's quite interesting. I think it's going to open up a few doors. I'm a little bit surprised that Marvel are going with an Atlantis story, Mm. considering DC have already sort of stolen the march on that one. Um, Obviously, it's very early days. Is there anyone in particular you'd like to see as uh, Namor? Um, I'm thinking like a vengeful monarch myself, someone who looks tough but also regal. Dave, any ideas?
2: I'm going to be honest. I struggled with this one because I looked, at Google kind of what Namor looks like, and then I was trying to think mm-hmm. right who could have cast in that role. And I'll be honest, with you, I struggled to think of someone either up and coming or established who could take on the role. I think I've seen somewhere that there is a rumor about somebody who was in one of the Narcos series on Netflix. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: Um, it's going for the role, uh, but I'll pass this one to Stu because I say I'm, I'm struggling particularly <laughs> with this one. If it was 20 years ago, he would be Steven Seagal, wouldn't he? <laughs> <laughs>
4: looking,
1: looking at the sheer size of him now, in mm. he's, he's three times what he used to be. Um, it's a bit. Awkward. I mean, in a way, Jason Momoa would be perfect for it, wouldn't he? But that's <laughs> but, of course, yeah. <laughs> could you imagine if Marl were like, right, come over here, mate, come on. <laughs> I think I think they'll just go with someone completely unknown with this one because it's mm. they don't really need to do the whole superstar thing anymore. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be someone like someone in the background of Seasons of Anarchy, season seven or whatever. Someone like that who's done a bit of work, but this is their big chance. It's the same with Dave. I kind not of think. You look at him and you think, I know someone like that, mm. but then it's Jason Momoa. <laughs> 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 I
0: I thought if they were going to go with someone, a big name someone, I thought Riz Ahmed was the first name that sprang to my mind. I think he's a really versatile actor who's great with comedy and drama. He he can present himself and he was so good in Sound of Metal earlier this year. Um, But I'm not sure if he's ready himself to go into the franchise system or if he wants to still work on more I say worthy films but you know what I mean, like Mm. proper cinema as opposed to Popcorn movies, I think.
2: And he's got that experience with comic books because he was in um, Venom as well as the bad guy. Of
0: course he was, yeah. Of course he was. Uh, We've never really mentioned the Sandman news when that broke about a month back, but there's been some further Neil Gaiman news. Good Omens is getting a second season. Uh, You often find that when a TV show surpasses the source material, that it goes off the rails. Like I'm thinking Walking Dead and Game of Thrones. When they veered away from the source material, it was never quite as good. Obviously, the book was just the first season of Good Omens, but Neil Gaiman is going to be writing this as well. So I've got quite high hopes for this one. Are we happy to see the return of David Tennant and Michael Sheen for this one?
1: Absolutely. Yeah, it, it was a, a very nice surprise that this came out and worked. Mm. That's when we all when we uh, did we talk about it at the time or it, it might have just been before we started this that anything with tenanting is going to be excellent anyway just because it is. Yeah. Um, but having the two of them together, I mean, they did that thing on BBC through lockdown as well. Afterwards, we,
0: yeah, that was great. That was yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. whatever that was called. Um, just staged. Yeah, that's yeah. that rings a bell. So yeah, bring it on. As long as as long as it's not like Robocop: The Prime Directives, kind of TV show nonsense <laughs> compared <laughs> to what it was before. As long as it, it sticks to say sticks to the source material, but you can't. Can you But as long as it's got the same vibe, then no mm. problem. I, why wouldn't you want that combination back? I think
2: it's just a great combo. Like Stu you just mentioned they did well in staged, and I think a lot of the kind of minor characters are liked in that first series, like people like Nick Offerman randomly. Being in that series,
0: yes, was a surprise, he was wasn't it?
2: Um, but yeah, I think it only means good things for British exports in that regard, yeah. So, why not? Yeah, yeah I'm all for that,
0: yeah. Um, Stu, remember our discussion a few weeks back about fast and furious approaching <laughs> the end?
4: <laughs> well,
0: apparently. There's gonna be another spin-off, this time focusing on Cypher, Charlie's Theron's character. Are you even a little bit interested in seeing that?
1: She's the most boring she's not obviously but that character is just a waste of time.
0: It's got nothing to it, has it? It's
1: so two dimensional. I mean, what they're gonna do? What's she gonna to... she's gonna be moody for two hours on her own? <laughs> Sat in a box. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I mean she's it's not exactly found in, but she ain't really pushing about it, is she? And Obviously, that's the point. She's supposed to be a cold, cold-arty bitch, and it works for what she does. But I just don't say... Obviously, money is the point. But I just... <laughs> yeah. I got, out of all the... Fa- after the shambles of Fast 9, I've kind of lost a bit of luster for it. <laughs> I don't think we need a bit, a bit of a break. I mean, they're, they're talking... That interview with um, with um Vin Diesel, talking about um the Grand Tour guys, saying mm. that electric cars, is going to play a big part in the Fast 10. Isn't it? Why? That's exactly not what we want.
0: Yeah, it's the exact opposite, isn't it? I mean, personally, I I want a film just about the shores, just about Helen Mirren and her two sons, and just you know the nonsense that they bring. Not Cipher, who they haven't fleshed out, and I don't particularly care about them fleshing her out. Dave, I. Never asked you. Are you in on the fast worlds, or is this something that's passed you by?
2: This is something that's passed me by. It's just nothing I've really <laughs> ever got into. I'm. I can probably understand why they've got up to nine because it is a show that has perhaps probably, and I'm choosing my words carefully here, evolved over time mm-hmm. and has yeah. obviously got a massive appeal to it. But I do wonder whether in in listening to what you guys said about the 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 nine film, whether it's just got past. It's it, it, the legs that are in it now, if you know what I mean. I, I'm surprised that even considering doing a 10, it, does it get to a point where if they do more, are people just going to get sick of it? Despite mm. the fact it will probably still rake in millions of dollars. Yeah. Um, I think it's just one of those series that perhaps they need to either give it a break or let it just now rest on nine films and whatever so many spin-offs are going to have now.
0: Mm. Well, the, the last we heard was they'll be filming the 10th and 11th films back to back 11 and, yeah and it will <laughs> end there but it may be a case of the main series will end there but we'll then get a tej spin-off and a cypher spin-off and everybody gets their own spin-off so it's just going to keep going isn't it I, I suppose as long as they keep making money it will yeah. keep going
1: You
2: may have mentioned this on the previous episode, but how do you guys feel about the touted... I think it's... Is it Fast 9 and Jurassic Park? (laughs) Um, Kind of... I think it's those too, isn't it? They've talked about matching them together.
0: Yeah, they have made Would you like to see
2: that Vin Diesel trying to chase chase after a T-Rex rather than the other way around?
0: The last one was so far out of the realms of possibility. (laughs) A Jurassic Park crossover would probably bring it back down to earth somewhat to be perfectly honest it couldn't uh, get any worse though that's the thing
1: so at this point fast nine was basically just a live action version of hot wheels Mm. and it was yeah hot wheels play playsets. sets i've got dinosaurs in them so you could (laughs) quite easily see someone drawing a brigati Veyron down the tail of a t-rex or something, something like that after, what, after that film, it's more than possible. And do I want to see that? Hell yeah, of course. So <laughs> bring it on.
0: And speaking of two-dimensional characters that have probably outstayed their welcome, Transformers are back. It's a hey. sequel this time to the Bumblebee movie. Um, it is going to be Transformers Rise of the Beasts, and apparently it's going to be set in the 90s. After the shambles of the original series of films, Do we think it's a good idea that they follow the X-Men route? So the X-Men had their original run of films, and then they just started doing out-of-continuity stories. So it's just telling a story rather than building a universe. Do we think that would be a good way here? Because you look at something like Rise of the Beasts, and we're looking at, instead of Optimus Prime, it's Optimus Primal who transforms into a gorilla. Mm -hmm. So they're changing it up quite a bit. Do we think that's the way to go? Or do you just want to see more from this one specific universe?
1: Any Transformers is good Transformers. (laughs) And you can't change history because you like Bumblebee.
0: Bumblebee's the only good one, but it is sort of out of continuity. It's a bit like when we went to uh, First Class in X-Men. They just basically said, everything that's gone before, we're going to kind of ignore it. It's semi-canon. I'm I'm okay with that with transformers and just let that go to one side.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm more than happy with doing doing it this way. We've had the um we've had the kind of the continuity films and it did again outstay its welcome with the, the last night, but Bumblebee worked. So mm-hmm. if it's if it's the same same crew, same kind of setup, same kind of again, bring the vibes, then yeah. And I
2: think I think because Bumblebee was, in general, received well compared to the other films, this is probably why they're going to still carry on this timeline sequence because I think, oh, hang on, that did well, so we'll just do a mm-hmm. sequel to that one. And this might do well, so we'll do a sequel to that one. I'm actually quite surprised, but pleased in a, in a way, of the what I'm going to say, the human main lead in Anthony Ramos from um, Hamilton and In the Heights. Mm-hmm. Um, that, when I saw that news, I thought that, that kind of really through me off think it didn't feel like a type of film that you would expect he would want to go into
0: yeah it's completely um, different isn't it's it it's
2: a massive perhaps to get him more known to a wider audience now it's probably a big step for him um and i remember watching beast wars as a kid didn't realize it was a trans- relate to transformers as a kid and i love beast wars as a kid so and there's probably a part of it as well where they've gone right what could we do for a transformers movie that hasn't been done yet Let's, let's scroll mm. through all the archives. Oh, Beasts, let's do that one. We haven't done that yet. So.
0: Yeah, it's a good point. We haven't discussed much of the movie video game world for quite some time on this part. There was a period of time where it seemed to be every week there was something <laughs> new. Um, but it's gone a bit quiet up until recently. Nintendo have added Chris Meland, Let me try that again. Melandry to its board of directors. Apparently he is the producer of Despicable Me and a CEO of the animation studio Illumination. So it looks as though Nintendo are going to take this jump into the movie business quite serious now. Um, Obviously Mario and Zelda are the big hitters. Any other Nintendo properties you'd
1: quite like to see? Well, Mario films confirmed, eh? Yeah. 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 So um, you presume that me and Luigi's Mansion would be funny. Yes, that would be good. Yeah, definitely. I want a direct
2: sequel to the 90s Super Mario Bros. film. (laughs) (laughs) With the original, well, as much as the original cast I can get.
0: I was going to say, you'd struggle with Bob Hoskins, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Even if Bob Hoskins was still alive, in an interview, he literally said it's the absolute worst thing he's ever done, and he (laughs) hates that film.
1: (laughs) Oh, Dennis Hopper did as well. Uh no, he's still he, with us, isn't he? No, he died eleven years ago. Oh, oh okay. Christ. Jeez, I thought it was recent. Yeah, twenty ten. Mm,
0: okay,
1: maybe not
2: then. I just <laughs> remember he was on that. It was on a gorilla song on the
1: Demon Days album. So there you go. Luigi's the only one left, anyway. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um,
2: oh, Nintendo-wise, it's probably for Luigi's Mansion or for that one. I'd love to see a version of that. Um, I was a big fan of Star Fox as a kid and Lilith Wolves and the N64, that kind of space opera film with animals would be quite good. Um and somehow doing Donkey Kong Donkey Kong.
0: Yeah, it's gotta be done, hasn't it, at yeah. some point. Um I mean if they're getting the uh, illumination involved in it or you know, someone who's got uh contacts in that world, it it is prime for a Toy Story esque looking Ooh. Bigger, you know, bigger than life, and I think yeah, that'd yeah. be perfect for a, a proper 3D rendering animated film.
2: And they they I dip mean, their toes in the. Water, sorry, I was going to say they dip their right. toes in the water with um, the uh, detective, uh, detective Pikachu, mm. and that was that was a good. You know, I really enjoyed that. It was a good success. So they've probably looked at it and gone, right, we've got over the line now, we can explore this a bit yeah.
0: more. Uh, as the Scott Pilgrim lover in me, I would very much like to see a Clash of Demon Head film. I think they could go proper, over-the-top, 80s-style action about a man trying to stop a bomb from blowing up the <laughs> entire world, only to find out that it's of alien origins. Like proper big, bombastic, dumbest rocks. Yeah. I, I think Clash at Demonhead film or TV series could be really good for And I think we'll round off the news with a bit of Tarantino news. It's a bit of a weird old week for... Uh, cutie he was appearing on joe rogan's podcast and he was asked about the criticism of his representation of bruce lee and quinton said critics can go suck a dick i mean (laughs) i like tarantino's films but he's such a whiny little bitch about these things like when martin Bashir asked him a question and he threw his toys out and look he does have a problem with writing female characters and the voice that he gives to anyone who's of colour, like, they all become a stereotype and just say motherfucker all the time because apparently that's what black people do in his world. (laughs) Like, he's an interesting director, but there is an argument to the accusations that are levelled at him about racial insensitivity and some of his outright peace-poor direction of women. Like, it's just a bit of a go-fuck-yourself at times. Um, I'm not a huge fan of some elements of him. Um, He did say that Bruce Lee's daughter, uh, Shannon, is entitled to her opinion, at least. So he's not completely dismissing her not being happy with it. Uh, She did write an op-ed in the Hollywood uh, Hollywood Reporter, which is well worth reading. He also spoke about an idea for doing Kill Bill 3 with Maya Hawke, who is he's robbing from Stranger Things Season 3, who I didn't realise is Ethan Hawke and Uma Thurman's daughter. Yeah. I didn't realise that till yesterday. Um, and the story's going to be that it's going to be the bride and her daughter, played by Mike Hawke, on the run. Um, and he's also said that his final film could very well be a Reservoir Dogs reboot. Would we like to see either of those films, Kill Bill 3 or a reboot to Reservoir Dogs? Any interest in that? Or do you want something new and fresh?
1: Kill Bill 3, absolutely. Reservoir Dogs, leave the hell alone. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely.
0: Yeah, I completely agree with both points there.
2: I think think with Kill Bill 3, it would almost be like a nice rounding off of his arc of doing films, finishing maybe a story, but like with Reservoir Dogs, I don't see the need to make a reboot, just leave it as it is.
0: Mm. I mean, he's spoken sometimes that he's going to do 10 films, and I think his next one would be his tenth, if I remember correctly. So I don't know if he would be thinking a sequel doesn't count, and maybe uh, a reboot doesn't. Ca- I, I don't know if he's just like trying to play <laughs> with the rules a little bit, because
2: finding Ki- loopholes to his own rules.
0: Yeah, because Kill Bill Volume One and Volume Two is one film in his world, so I'm sure he can find an excuse to to do whatever he wants, really. Uh, So that's the news done. We have had a few listener questions in. Um, A friend of mine, Ashley Lees, he wanted to know, with the cornucopia of sports currently available, what is your favourite and least favourite sporting films? He's given his answers. Uh, Senna is his favourite and Wimbledon is his least favourite. He also said that Chariots of Fire is probably one of the most overrated of the genre. Stu, a a favourite and a... A non-favourite of yours?
1: Oh, um, you could kind have of linked back to our other podcasts and go and watch our uh, football films in review. But no, our, Senna would be on mine, but uh, Rush more than Senna. If you're talking mm. about if you're talking about films, then Rush is incredible in every yeah. way. And the, the worst one. There's been some shockers. <laughs> um, one of the the first Soccer Dogs is not good. So I'm, <laughs> I haven't all,
0: seen that. To be fair, yeah, I
1: it. Is that the Air Bud films? Yes, Air Bud. Air Bud <laughs> yeah. Also, it, depend, depending, depending <laughs> where you live in the world, um, yeah, the, that wasn't the best. But obviously, it's not aimed at thirty plus, well, nearly forty year old men. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, my mind immediately went to Mean Machine, like that film's yeah, awful. That's fun though. It's not though. You're like. I mean, obviously, we watched it 18 months ago for the aforementioned other podcast, but it's aged terribly, that movie has. Um, for best, the, it's probably not the best one, but one that I don't think is quite as well known that probably deserves a bit more recognition is a film called The Way Back, starring Ben Affleck. I watched it recently. I think it was out either last year or the year before. He's a former college basketball star turned alcoholic who is now the coach of his former college team. It's a really good movie. I've probably enjoyed that. So I think that's a good recent sports film, at least. Dave, anything uh, you've got in your mind?
2: Yeah, so I mean, worst, I'll agree with you again, on Air, Air, Air or airport whatever it was. I mean, the concept of allowing a <laughs> dog in a team and that being allowed, you know, don't really get it. <laughs> anyway, right, best one. Look, I'm, I'm going to go away from the obvious answer for me, which would be any of the first two Mighty Ducks films because they're one of the best films. i left that
0: gap open for you. That's why (laughs) I didn't say Mighty Ducks.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to go for, because I'm I'm still a stickler for those sports kids' films in the 90s. There's one called Little Giants, which is the kind of same concept as Mighty Ducks, where you've got a really good team, kid in the good team gets cut, so dad starts his own um, American football team. And, you know, they're a misfit gang and how they've got to rise up and play. Eventually, they obviously play the good team and win. Mm. But, yeah, it's just one of those films that's just got a cl- that, that classic 90s storyline in. Um, and it's really fun. Um, Brilliant. And, okay. gonna, and, and now I've just remembered it, I'm going to try and find it on Netflix again. Because <laughs> I want to watch it again.
0: <laughs> I've just made a note of that one because that does sound good. Uh, former guest Tara, she wants to know, what's the best football song in your opinion? All football songs included, not just uh, like for the, for the country. Um, that said, you're all babies and probably don't remember the FA Cup squad classics like "Go for It" by her <laughs> beloved Coventry City. Oh, for Give us a that. goal by Slade, which I've never heard of, but apparently that's up there with World in Motion.
1: So, what are the best football songs? I mean, that go for his city thing is, it was burning to my mind for three years. It was one of my mates at uni, Gary, was is from Dunedin. And he'd come in every morning, go for it, go for it, city. Like, Gary, shut up every day without fail. So that's absolutely bottom of the list. Um, <laughs> There's one meat pie sausage roll. That's a, that's always yes. a good laugh. Yeah. I remember that. I have no idea what that one is. Come on, England, give us a go. It's, it, like, it's kind of the. the um, the origin story of the uh, Sean Deutsch character on um, <laughs> oh, Okay, <laughs> okay, if you, right. if you imagine, If you listen to that later and imagine Sean Deutsch voice in that singing it's perfect Right, but, Excellent. Obviously World in Motion is the answer
0: Dave, are you going to argue yeah, with World in Motion? I think with
2: World in Motion for me, I don't think I was ever part of that generation so it's never, I like this song, but it's never really had a a chord with me is a, a great song. Mm. Um, obviously, with England going at the moment, it's you're hearing so many. Right, so at the moment for the England games, hopefully this won't age. Um, I'm going. To, I've got this tradition where before kickoff, I have to listen to these four songs in a row, England songs, as a superstition, <laughs> Right. Super <okay>. right? <laughs> I did this at the last World Cup and forgot to do it against Croatia, and look what happened. So I've done it for every single game so far. And I'm like, come on, I've got to do it before the final. So, song order is Three Lions to start. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah. this is, it gets crazy. Uh, we're on the ball, Anton Deck.
0: <laughs> okay.
2: Then it has to be the, uh, the Sven Sven Gurren Eriksson song. <laughs> um, and then you finish off with Indaloo, which I think actually is a great song. That's probably my favourite.
0: Uh, obviously, this podcast is going out Monday morning, so we oh. will know whether or not. That is going to be a good idea or not? you need to let us know, Dave, whether or not we've um, you've managed to get it done Sunday yeah, night. Yeah, yeah, fingers crossed.
1: No, I you say, I, I had um, I made a compilation CD, a double double CD of football <laughs> songs in the nineties. Um, well, obviously it was two thousands when I went the CD, but um, and me and Goldie used to listen to it before, in the uh, couch or in his car before every game as well. And it was like it started. It started with "We're Gonna Win" by Brian Adams. <laughs>
0: <laughs> don't even know that song. <laughs> yeah,
1: which is I, probably not a football song at all, but it sounds like it. Um, yeah, it's a double A side CD. That was. He he's still got his, but I don't think it works. But he he might have the playlist somewhere.
0: Good God! So it was football tunes and a bit of blue for the road. <laughs> <you>? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh- Andrew Wright wants to know, uh, this is in honour of me because I had an issue with my tap over the last week, what would be the worst house in which you would need to fix a dripping tap? I thought about this, I'll give you two chances to have a think about this. The house in Beetlejuice, because it's likely that Tim Burton will be hanging around and he'd just piss me off if I had to see him. <laughs> Fucking idiot. Stu? Is there any haunted mansions or anything in particular that you wouldn't want to venture into?
1: I mean, you wouldn't want to go to a hostel, would you? That's <laughs> yeah, that is true. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be a bad idea.
0: It would, yeah.
1: Dave?
2: Um, I would say the main house in Jumanji, when it's all overridden by the game. <laughs> so you've got all the vines, all the animals. Anyway, yeah. you need, You'd open a door, there could be a line in there. You're like, okay, great, how am I going to do this? How am I going to get mm. around this? So, yeah jumanji yeah. that'll be that'll be a difficult one
0: but if you think about it as well if you went to fix a dripping tap in the saw house like that would completely <laughs> ruin the first film you're like oh, oh there's <laughs> the key mate you're fine <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh Scanos shall rule matt cunnington he wants to know if you had the power to go back and fix one film that you consider broken which would it be and why um again i'll give you a bit of thinking time Broken, I don't know if is the right word, but I don't know if either of you two have seen Blair Witch 2, Book of Secrets. It had the potential to be quite an interesting meta-exploration of film and the horror genre. And, like, they had this thing, and it was The Secret of S-River, which is reverse backwards. And that was the big hook of the whole film. And it just ended up being a wet fart of a sub-B-movie-level classic. It was, it was really... It was really disappointing, and I think they could have gotten a whole franchise out of it, and the sequel was so bad that he just killed it before it ever got going. So Blair Witch 2, for me, would be where the one I would want to fix. Dave, anything broken for you? I
2: would probably go recent, and I would say Last Jedi. Uh, from yes. Um, because I think in that film, there are two things that happen. It, unless I could do the whole film, in which I'd go to the the Colin Trevorrow version of that film. I don't know if you've seen online what his version of that film would have been. No. Um, But I think there's a couple of YouTube videos that go through uh, the the storyline, and it seems like a really good film, and you're thinking, why did they get rid of him to do that? Um, There's two things in The Last Jedi that if you fix, I think it would turn out to be a decent film, which are, if you properly kill off um, Chewbacca and C-3PO, you give a lot of gravity to that film. You give a lot of um, gravity to the fact that the, there is this massive war going on, they're having to sacrifice people to get the end result. And I feel mm. like because they bring them back, it's a bit of a cop-out and kind of detracts from the battle that's going on between the rebellion, it's not the rebellion, resistance and the and the First Order, and it therefore makes it a bit of a, a cheap film. I think if you'd fix those two bits, I think you might end up with a at least a decentist film, but otherwise
1: go back to the Colin Trevorrow version. That would have been great.
0: Hmm. Stu
1: I don't know if he's um if he's caught up with his the back catalogue yet, but the obvious answer is gonna be the end of next, as always. <laughs> <laughs> because yeah, if we're going back in time already, then we could go back in time and fix the time issues in that film. And <laughs> then none of it yeah. really makes any sense at all. Because the actual concept and part of it, like we talked about many times, was fun. Yeah, like I've never, I've never been so angry in my entire life.
0: Um, <laughs> <laughs> Even like a full year later, you're still fuming.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it been in this, I mean, we've already dated it that we we're recording this the day after we beat. We've managed to get to the first final in fifty-five years, and I am quite tender today. And <laughs> <laughs> so thinking about next is just not not the best idea in the world. <laughs>
0: A uh, future guest of ours, Tom Kearney, you get to make a new Superman film. Which comic book arc, if any, would you choose to base it on? Who would you have directing and who is your lead actor?
2: Dave? Ooh, okay, so I don't know that many Superman arcs. I remember hearing a suggestion a while ago um, of somebody saying they'd like to see a Superman film where you actually put Superman on another planet filled with like beings or creatures that are twice as strong as Superman. So he's going into it as the underdog, Mm. almost like a slightly like a a kind of planet Hulk kind of scenario or like a, what was that film? The Disney film that flopped, that was set on Mars where the Victorian man goes through John Carter. Yeah. that That kind of scenario where he turns up and he has to kind of fight back and be the underdog in that kind of scenario. That's the kind of storyline I'd like to see, um, and then attach James Gunn to that, and I think you've got a film. Yeah, yeah and James then let, Gunn. let James
0: actually, Gunn solves everything.
2: Yeah, exactly. And then let's actually put Nick Cage as Superman. Let's actually get Nick Cage as Superman for <laughs> all wanted.
0: Brilliant. The story that I think you're thinking of is called War World. Okay. That's yes. The one. Okay. Yeah. I think that's the one. Yeah. Uh, there is a Justice League Unlimited, I think, or is it? It might be Superman: The Animated Series episodes about it. It's really, really good. Do storyline, actor, director. What have you got?
1: I want to see um, the Russian Tale of, at last. Okay, I yeah. Always forget the name of it. Last Sun uh, is it? Last Sun is it? Red, red Last Sun, Red Sun. No, yeah, Red Sun. Sorry, red yeah, sun, Black Sun. Sun, something Sun, anyway. <laughs> um, but <laughs> directed by Jordan Peel.
0: Brilliant choice! Yes. Yeah, yeah, yes. excellent. Who would you um, have in the suit?
1: Um, who the guy from um the first Peel film that we watched?
0: Oh yeah, um, Daniel Kaluuya.
1: Yeah,
0: oh, I love Daniel Kaluuya. Hmm, mm. I'd be all up for that. To be fair, yeah. Sure. yeah, definitely. Uh, my choice. I've gone with a series called Kingdom Come. Um. And Kingdom Come is set uh, in the future, and basically there is a new anti-hero that comes along. The Joker kills, I think he kills Lois Lane, and rather than killing the Joker in retaliation, Superman tries to arrest him, but this new anti-hero just kills him. And the people start to side with the new guy who just murders people rather than brings them to justice. So Superman decides to retire. Eventually he then has to come out of retirement to reign in the powers of this new guy. I would really like to see that story, this exploration of a man who is all powerful, who no longer feels welcome in the world and he's thinking about retirement. I would want someone like John Hamm to play Superman, someone who's a little bit older. Yeah. And I'm thinking maybe David Fincher as the director. Um, because I think he's very good at human stories. So I think David Fincher would be the one for me.
1: So that, That's two really dark as fuck things as well. We're sick of the noises now. We want even darker than the Schneiderverse.
0: <laughs> but he is the ray of light in the world of darkness. So I, th- I think that's why I'd want him like that. Everything else is dark around him, but he he comes through and shows that his ways are still the best. And finally, long-term listener, first-time tweeter, Matt Guy asks, <laughs> considering that he's been in a whiskey distillery tour at 10am with no breakfast, which bar or pub from any film would you like to visit the most? Ooh. Stu? Oh,
1: God. This is too hard. Um, <laughs> especially for me. Uh, <laughs> You know what? The, the, the barring Superman 2 to keep it keep it on topic, just to see <laughs> just to see him get punched in the face and see what happens.
0: Good choice, Dave. Where would you want to go for a drink?
1: I, I, the the name for some reason slipped my mind, but the pub
2: in um you know the main pub they talk about in um, Shaun of the Dead,
0: the Winchester.
2: Winchester, that's it. Yeah, just, just so you could do the gif. <laughs> no one. You can pretend to do it to camera, but it's to no one. Of
0: course. Because every time you had a point, you would have to do it, wouldn't you? Yes. Yeah. It's, it's got to be the Winchester or that wretched hive of scum and villainy, the cantina bar from Star Wars. Yes. One or the other. So we'll move on now. It is Hot Take Corner. About a month or so ago, a Guardian journalist did a retrospective of Shrek on its 20th anniversary. He called it unfunny and overrated low... Oh, sorry, an unfunny and overrated low for blockbuster animation. Is this right? Where do you think Shrek sits in the DreamWorks oeuvre or within animation as a whole? Dave, what do you think of his opinion?
2: I don't think I'd go as far as what he has said. I think perhaps... Over time now it probably certain aspects don't seem as funny. But at the time, it was a great film. I think it felt humor wise, I think it did different things that a lot of animations hadn't done and was probably had a lot more hidden adult jokes in it Mm. that any everyone could appreciate. And I remember as a kid watching it not only appreciating the wrestling scene in there, but how they actually got it quite right in a lot of ways. A lot of the moves that Shrek did was accurate. Even um, people in the crowd shouted, hit him with the chair! And I remember as a kid going, they, they're getting this right! They're talking about <laughs> wrestling, they're getting this right. Um, but I, yeah, I, I think like you mentioned there about DreamWorks, where is it in the, the folder? I think just humour and animation has moved on. And I think mm-hmm. probably, if you're trying to compare it to other things, it probably doesn't compare as well, but I think it's a good foundation block of what they started. So but I've got, I've got no issues with it today.
0: Yeah. Really? That's fair. Stu, I know we've discussed it before. You are a fan of this one, aren't you?
1: Yeah. I love Shrek still. I ain't seen too long ago either. And they get progressively worse as they go on. As <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and pussy boots, just why? But, um, <laughs> That guy, I mean, the, not Matt. The um, this, guy, this Guardian <laughs> bloke. There's been a, a after this. It's like every other week. There seems to be another either him or someone else is slagging off a popular film. That oh, okay, this is this is your uh, your thing, it? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. It, like Dave said, it, it, it was considerably that would come from Toy Story and things like that to this that was a bit more edgy. Ooh. It's like the the like the indie upstart that was kind of taking on the big boys and it worked. It worked perfectly. And yeah, it's dated because of some of the jokes that ain't going to land now because it's, mm. it's always kind of parody popular culture and stuff. But yeah, you can't really, you can't, that guy was complete. It's just completely wrong. Everything he said really? was completely wrong. Um, <laughs> he's either, he's either like 18 or he's never, he didn't experience it at the time, which is fair. But even mm. so, none of what he said makes any sense so but you look at the other ones I mean the three for me it's Madagascar which yeah. all of them have come since as well so you've Madagascar mm. Boss Baby and Chicken Run which technically is but um they're all good they're all fun but you wouldn't say oh is it Shrek no it's not mm. and the only other one was Small Soldiers which is not really it's kind of cheating but
0: <laughs> yeah I've not seen Chicken Run, but I've heard it's quite. A good oh, film. How have you not seen Chicken Run? I, I don't know. It's just one of those that it's avoided me for some reason, and I've never got round to it. It's it's I a mean, good Mel Gibson film. That might be why. To be fair, <laughs> <laughs> I mean it was released in two thousand. By which point, I would have been going out drinking, so that's probably why I, I didn't see that. So one. was I. <laughs>
2: <laughs> there's a good on Netflix. Is a good a documentary about Ardman.
0: Oh, okay. With a lot of hmm. really
2: kind of high caliber, um, people, like when I say cat, like people talking about Ardman and their, like when they were involved with it, or just why they like it. There's a good um, section in there about how Ardman teamed up with DreamWorks to do Chicken Run, and how that relationship went, and how some of the meetings they had with a lot of the, the higher big weeks went in there. So that's one to look out for on Netflix as well.
0: Oh, okay, because Ardman also did the Wallace and Gromit we Rabbit movie yes. with um with Dreamworks and mm. so and I love that film I think that's brilliant I'm a big fan of the Wallace and Gromit uh you know I don't want to say cartoons what what's the word I'm looking for Clay to?
2: claymation would it be claymation yeah
0: claymation yeah um yeah over the hedge I thought was quite a good film as well mm-hmm. that didn't really get much of a um, a look in I don't think but then there's a lot of nothing when I look at the other films on their list kung fu panda yeah. that was a good movie I didn't particularly like Boss Baby. I know it was Oscar nominated, but I did think that was trash. And of course Nick Cage has appeared in The Crudes, which we haven't watched. <laughs> so I don't know <laughs> if that one's any good or not. But but yeah, I, I agree, I don't think like I don't think Shrek is a classic, but I I'm sure as shit don't think it is, you know, unfunny. That you know, especially at the time it was a very funny film. Like Stu said, pop culture has moved on and the references yeah. don't land just because people don't necessarily know people from 21 years ago. But, uh, yeah, I definitely don't think it's a bad film. I think it's a, a poor take from the, the Guardian Journal there.
2: Have you heard about the apparent unearthed Easter egg from Shrek that's been doing the rounds this week online?
0: <laughs> no, I've not seen that.
2: So... I saw it, I, it might have be been someone's already putting this out, but everyone was obviously sharing it. So, there's a scene early on in Shrek where a lot of the fairy tale characters have been captured, and there, you see the three bears, Mommy Bear, Daddy Bear, and Baby Bear, in a cage. Mm. Then, a tiny bit later in the film, when perhaps I forget what happens and if they all escaped or they got freed, you see a glimpse of just Daddy Bear and Baby Bear on a log, kind of having a cuddle, having a cry. And you don't think much of it, but when you watch it again, you think, "Well, hang on a second, where's the mommy bear?" And mm. then far later in the film, which I think it's a scene where Princess Fiona is she, is she got to force to marry um baddie at some point point. I think yeah. she's in her castle whatever, and're in the room they're in, the camera pans, and as it pans, you see a bear rug on the floor <laughs> with a pink bow, which is the same mommy bear. And people would be saying that's the dark Easter egg that they killed the mommy bear and turned her into a rug.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Fucking hell. That is really dark. (laughs) That's excellent. So the non-movie question. Um, Stu was giving it up this week for our honoured guest. So Dave, what's the non-movie question that you've got for us?
2: Thank you very much. I growing up um, was very much a big fan of the official song that came with the film. I, another question I want to add to this is why don't they do official songs anymore? Um, But the big question is what is your favorite official song
0: from a film? Okay. So there was three that sprang to mind for me. So I'm going to do my two honorable mentions first. First one is a song called falling slowly from a musical called once um, by Glenn Hansard, Irish singer songwriter, beautiful, melancholic love song. Great. The second honourable mention is The Muppet's Rainbow Connection. <laughs> like, it is a song about accepting the world as we know it, because that's all we have, and it's amazing. Not having to worry about what's on the other side of a trick of the light and an illusion. Like, it's much fucking deeper than it should be. as a song written by Kermit the Frog. It is wonderful. <laughs> uh, but the song that I love is Dolly Parton, Nine to Five. Just the opening lyrics to that describe me every single day. Well, I tumble out of bed and stumble to the kitchen, pour myself a cup of ambition, yawn and stretch, and try to come alive. Like, perfect. So yeah, Dolly Parton, 9 to five, hundred 100% Belter.
1: Uh, Stu? The first thing that I thought of was World, World West. Yes! yes. Come on, Stu. <laughs> yes. Wild Wild. <laughs> Better song than film, obviously. Yes, I was gonna say, is that the first ever <laughs> song that was better than the film?
0: I think it is, yeah. Uh,
1: <laughs> there's Men in Black, obviously, but it's not really an official, it's a retooled tune. Um, mm. so that's but the other two, um, you know, my name, Chris Cornell, yeah, that's a great Cas- one from Casino Royale. Oh okay right that that'll be why I don't recognize it you you recognize it it, it was everywhere when that mm. film came out and rather than have it was the first bond film that had a song that didn't have the title as its song title mm-hmm. you know right. what I mean so it was one where it was kind of some like hummed around the house for days on end to everyone's annoyance, <laughs> which is no one hums anymore either, which is a forgotten art but yeah my 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 winner was um for the four tops. Loco in Necapulco? Like <laughs> it's
0: great. a fucking belter of a song, to <laughs> right. be fair.
1: It is. <laughs> now, have you seen the film that it's from?
0: I can't remember. What's the name of the film? Buster. It's Buster. Okay, that's not the film but- I was thinking of. I was thinking of not Jewel of the Nile, the other one. It- no, I have seen Buster, yes. I'd got the wrong film there, yeah.
1: Jewel the... Oh, you mean Romance in the Stone? Are you thinking of that That's one?
0: the one. That's the one I was thinking it was from.
1: No, it was written for Buster.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah, I have seen Buster, yeah. Good film, actually. Well, I mean, it's been a long time since I've seen it, but it it was a good film when I watched it.
1: (laughs) Phil Phil Collins is remarkably good.
0: Yeah, like he shouldn't be. He should be terrible, but he he manages to uh, hold it together somehow. (laughs) Dave, what was your answer?
2: Uh, Well, Men in Black was going to be my obvious one. I just love that song. Mm. Uh, my other two were—I don't know if it was the official one—but there was a song in uh, the, the Muppets film, the recent Muppets films they did, mm-hmm. called uh, or Muppet."
0: Yes, which is really
2: good. It? Um, my yeah. other one—I can't. I think I think it was called "Hero," but it was the main song for Spider-Man Two with
0: Chad Groger and yeah. the guy from Saliva. Was it? I can't remember. the i know the one you mean—the big dude on yeah. guitar.
2: But I, used to, I loved that song. And I remember finishing school and just turning the radio on, hoping that they would play that song. <laughs> and that, that soundtrack, the Spider-Man 2 soundtrack was great. I remember there was like a Sum 41 song on there that had a, um, the Slade, not the Slade, Slade, is it? not Slade, what am I thinking about? Slayer. Slayer. Slayer, Slayer. Yeah. Guitarist did like a solo halfway through. Uh, mm. but yeah, those are my choices. Bring back official yeah. songs. Come on, let's bring them back. <laughs>
0: And I will answer for Matt because I'm hundred percent sure. If he was here, he would say, "Take a look around, Limp Biscuit, um, Mission Impossible." <laughs> yeah, like without a shadow of a doubt, that is going to be his choice.
1: <laughs> Mission Impossible Two, to be correct. Yeah, is
0: it the second? Well, I-, I can't remember. It's been that long. I just remember it being everywhere that summer. It's just unavoidable. So the next question is, what have you been watching, Stu?
1: Well, obviously, well, hopefully, by this point we'll uh, be drowning in sick and beer after celebrating <laughs> yesterday's events, but not not yet. Um, obviously, the Euros has been taking up a lot of time, um, but other than that, the uh, the greatest reality TV show on on earth is back, in Love Island. Which it's, it's not as uh, not as good so far, but they haven't uh, they've been tempted away so much, so. Yeah, it, Matt's talked about his Australian nonsense that he watches, and this is the one that's kind of, when Big Brother died, this was uh, this is the one to take the summer mantle for me. And it, yeah, oh, it's obviously... the below deck one, sorry? Yeah, that's the yeah, one he mentioned
0: yeah. last
1: time, yeah. Yeah, so I had to have some, some reality TV fix in the summer, and Love Island it is, so... But other, other than that, there was um, an incredible film that I watched on was Amazon Prime called "The Tomorrow War." <laughs> and I'm looking forward I, to this one. I was hoping that you
2: guys would see if we we're going to do an episode on this film. Oh, we I absolutely can because I would be very if, if it's open. I would very much be open to come back for that because I've got a lot to talk about <laughs>
4: <in> that film.
1: <laughs> okay, well, I'll skip over it then and just say it's fucking class. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and it, it, it's it's quite clear that it's not made for streaming. And it was just bought, yeah. Which is what happened because um, of lockdown. Paramount sold it to Amazon for two hundred million dollars. Uh, it, it's one of them films that it's a big summer blockbuster that's nearly two hours, twenty minutes long. Yeah, yeah. but it's so mental. You know, <laughs> in, in every possible, it's like the kind of like, remember twenty twelve, the film twenty twelve, and yeah. all the that, that kind of. You, Five years or so of disaster films that came out every year, like Day After Tomorrow and things like that. Mm. It's very much in that vibe, mm. with a bit of Halo thrown in and a, a bit, of, a bit of time travel as well. It's just, it's just completely out there. But yeah, if we're gonna do an on cage on it, there, I'll, yeah. uh, I'll leave
0: you. Okay, I'll make a note and we'll, we'll try and fit that in at some point. I've got, to, I'll have to watch it over the weekend because I still yeah. haven't got around. To it me. is, but I, I would, do like Chris Pratt, so
2: yeah, I think it is worth it, and I think. People would still have different opinions on it, but I think it's still worth it regardless.
0: Okay, right. I've made a note of it, so we'll, we'll try and fit that one in. Dave, I, I take it you've watched, obviously watched um, Tomorrow War. Uh, what else has been on your TV? Uh,
2: so recently, like a lot of people in the world, I've been watching Loki, uh, which I've been really enjoying. I think it's probably been the best Marvel series they've done so far. It also feels like the one they've probably thrown the most money at given mm. the cast. I think Owen Wilson has kind of surprised me in it, how good yeah. he's been. He's kind of gone away from the typical Owen Wilson character he plays, but at the same time still keeping elements of it. I was really disappointed to hear they've confirmed that he won't say wow in it, and there's one episode left. And I kind of feel like you've got to le- let him say wow once in, in his, any property he does. But yeah, he's been really good, and Tommy dustin's just great, and I think they've... They've done some really good fleshing out the Loki character, who I think has always been quite an interesting character for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think they've done some good things with it. Again, I think there's a lot to say about the Marvel Disney Plus series, which we could go on ages about, because I think a lot of the opinions out there are all probably actually quite valid. And I think you could probably make the argument that Disney Marvel is still probably learning about what does and doesn't work mm, kind of TV series. Uh, so Loki, key uh, Motherland Series 3, an iPlayer. Catherine Superb. introduced me to it, and it's absolutely fantastic. Absolutely loved it. And I've just, um, this week, finished watching a film on Netflix called The Dead Don't Die, which has got Bill Murray oh, and Adam Driver yeah. in so The I Jim Jarmusch movie. Yeah, so I think it only appeared on Netflix last week. And obviously I'm a big fan of both Murray and Driver and mm. Tilda, Sw- uh, Tilda Swinton is it, um, isn't yeah. as well. Uh, it's just, you know, it's a typical kind of very arty, dark comedy film. You watch it and you get it or you don't get it kind of ones. Uh, yeah, it's yeah.
0: been very divisive. Yes, from what I've I'd, I'd, put that,
2: I'd put that on the list. Uh, but yeah, and apart from that, I've just re-watched the entire Seven Series of Parks again for the third time. <laughs> and, I can't, and I would easily tonight just start again. Just everything about it I love.
0: It, it's great, isn't it? I, um, because I basically either do Parks and Rec, It's Always Sunny, it used to be the league, but since that's been off Netflix, I don't watch it as much. And, um, community, yeah. so I'm currently halfway through re watching community again. Oh, yeah, just fantastic. I had, a, so I, had well spare,
2: I had a spare 20 minutes a day and I put on a random community episode, and it was the one when they. Have to test out the meow meow app, the social media, like the, the Facebook app, where they have to write each other.
4: <laughs> yeah,
0: right. It's it's incredibly well observed, isn't yeah. it? So well done. Uh, so I have been watching watched a film called Replicas with Keanu Reeves. His family die, and he has to make a decision on which which three of his four dead family members he brings back to life. It's fucking awful, but really good fun. Let's Kill Ward's Wife, which is a film on Amazon Prime. I only watched it because Donald Faison was in it, and it ended up being quite a a nice little indie comedy. Uh, Decent film in the end. Last week at the cinema, I went to watch In the Heights. It was all right, actually. I I quite enjoyed myself. And today I went to watch the Black Widow film.
2: Ooh, okay.
0: It's just another Marvel movie. Same same (laughs) as everything else. So it's good. It's not. It's, it's it's just okay. It's just okay. I I can't really say it's brilliant because it's not. Um, David Harbour is excellent. Like you expect yeah. him to be anyway. And Florence Pugh is fantastic. And I, I remember before saying on here, I hope they bring her into the universe as part of like the Secret Avengers. And I, I still hope that they do that because I thought she was excellent. She was the best thing in the whole film. Was really, really good.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I would not be surprised if they brought her in. I saw an interview with Kevin Feige the other day where they kind of he got on, kind of got asked this question, and he, he kind of hinted at kind of other characters within that film will come into other properties eventually.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, saying nothing. <laughs> uh, so yeah, <laughs> that, that's what I've been watching anyway. Yeah. Um, so we'll move on to the next question, which is yours, please, Stu.
1: So this came about because matt for some weird reason scaring the charity shops again and <laughs> bought, <laughs> bought um a VHS of face off. And I was thinking why do people do this anyway now? But has VHS ever been good? Is
0: it good? Okay. But the question's difficult because good is I don't know, it's not maybe not the right word, because the quality was um, average, realistically. But when we had nothing else, it was great. Like, I had a shitload of videos back in the day. I mean, you can see there's a shitload of DVDs back there. But with a video, you got to watch films that you would either have to wait forever and a day for the off chance that it might come on to Sky Movies. And it was there available to you immediately. You could rewind it. You could pause it. You had an experience in your home that you just wouldn't be able to have without it. Like it did revolutionise cinema, generally speaking. Um, And also, I remember when DVDs find, when we first moved over to DVDs, whenever you press stop, it would go back to the beginning. It wouldn't stop where the, the film was. You never had that with a video. Like you press stop and it was there where you left it. You didn't have to scan through it to try and find the part that you got to. I think it I was a fan of videos, definitely.
2: I think it also revolutionised recording as well, being able to record something on a, a blank VHS cassette. Yeah. That's something that never got me, because on, on videos, you could set the video to short record or long record. Mm. I mean, who, would, who wouldn't set it to long record? Who wouldn't get three extra hours of stuff on a video? <laughs> did, did it change the quality of the the, the, what yeah you watch, apparently but yeah i remember as a kid you know like when there was like a wrestlemania pay-per-view having to bring my tiny telly from my room downstairs my dad having to hook it up to the telly so we could set the timer to record it on the, the my my video my blank mm. video we bought
0: and i remember as i used to be able to copy video to video as well mm. so i remember getting like some pirate of the teenage mutant ninja turtles film I don't know how like, we managed to get this, and it was set up in the living room with two VCRs, one recording the other one. And, <laughs> brilliant!
2: You used to get that thing on videos, where if you recorded something off the telly. Sometimes you'd have like a weird strip that would appear halfway through yeah. the recording. Um, but yeah, I, I never personally had an issue with
1: with videos. Stu, I kind of get the impression you may have had some kind of issue with video. <laughs> it was just never as it was never good enough. <laughs> and I think, I think it's it probably because it kind of it, it comes across quite spoiled, really. But we had, well, through through Telewest, which turned into Virgin, we had um, Sky Movies or Sky Cinema or whatever it was called back then. So the quality of that was, I mean, you're still talking pre HD for a lot of it, but the quality was infinitely better through there than watching it on the video. And I think I had. I probably had four four films ever on video that I bought natively for this reason because it the um, like the tracking marks and stuff and we, we mm. just, it just annoyed it annoyed the hell to me I don't know why and it it was useful for recording stuff I mean I in the end ended up with one of them the VHS recorders that had video plus so you had to just, you only had to type a code into it that they're printed in the, yeah. the TV guide at the that, weekend. Yeah. So in the end, it was turning. It was putting that on long play, even though you knew it was almost unwatchable. But it set the week's worth. I go into the TV guide and circle each thing that I wanted to watch, and then later on in the day, go back and program it all in for the week. And most of it was like Channel Four documentaries on circumcisions and stuff. Like that. But um, <laughs> there was there was actually there was one um, under the knife with Miss Evans, which showed. They showed a sex change operation, and that was. Uh, I remember I remember that. That. Yeah, I do remember <laughs> that. Yeah, that was amazing. But that that was again one of them things. But I never got the whole. I mean, people having massive collections of them when the quality was not as good as it then turned into a DVD. It just never, it just never appealed to me at all. And even when we when we rent them, I'd ask how long that copy has been out on this on this shelf for because if it wasn't brand new or only like a week old, it deteriorate because it was tape and that's what tape does. <laughs> so maybe it's just me trying to be picture snobby again. But yeah, for me it was, it was a necessity that thankfully ended.
0: Yeah. I think the quality was never there, but we are looking at it. Like, I mean, it's been, it's been a dead format for 15 years now. So the last one was 2006. so, we have moved on massively to where we were, but I mean, I don't know if you've seen the documentary, the last blockbuster. I don't know if it's just on the American Netflix currently, but that's worth checking out if you're not seeing it. And I love the fact that you were able to just watch films or TV. I mean, TV shows, they would often be showed for that season once and then never again. Like you would, you would have to wait several years to get, at the rerun of a TV show of maybe the first season, if they're on season six now. Like, you'd have to be quite lucky to try and find the originals. But with video, it was there for you, there and then. So it, it changed the world of film and TV, I think, personally. But I am glad we've moved on from it. You are right. we are in a much better place now that we don't have to watch them. Just for the fact that, like, one single video would take up the space of three DVDs. So you know we are definitely better off in, in those terms.
2: I think I feel that Stu's actually from the future, and he knew four K. <laughs> he knew four K was coming when videos were there, and he was just frustrated, <laughs> going, "Oh, when can four K
4: just be here?"
1: <laughs> as soon as soon as I buy the, that first four K Blu-ray, I know it's going to be over. So. <laughs> I think I'm, I'm just waiting until I upgrade my projector to 4K. And yeah. when that happens, that's when I have to buy everything again.
0: <laughs> yeah. Annoyingly, I, I keep thinking I need to buy the Zack Snyder Justice League just for the 4K, just to watch 4K film on the PlayStation. I don't particularly want to, but I feel like I have to. It's got to that point now where it, it needs to be something like that, I think,
1: yeah, to experience the... it. Actually, yeah, that might, be a, that might be a bad show because it's special and it doesn't, yeah, I think that's that's the one. There I we are. I think it is.
0: Especially if and when it does the black and white version, because I still haven't seen the black and white or chrome version, whatever they want to call it. So, yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing that version of it. Uh, next question is yours, please, Dave.
2: Okay, so we're talking about time travel on this one. This has been inspired by uh, Loki and the Tomorrow War as well. So you can kind of interpret this question how you want to, really, but I'm looking for the best and worst forms of time travel. This can either be what does what makes the most sense or the least sense of time travel in a film, or it could be what's the best kind of mode or worst mode of transportation that you would take for time travel. You can answer either version of that you want.
0: Okay. So for the best, it's kind of a cheat, but sort of not. It's got to be the TARDIS. I know that we're talking about film, and there was one film with Paul McGann, so it is a bit of a stretch. If we're not allowed the TARDIS, it's going to have to be Bill and Ted's um, yeah phone box, yeah phone booth. Um, the, the only reason the TARDIS slightly beats it is the TARDIS is bigger on the inside, whereas if you're in the phone booth, you're probably having to squeeze yourselves in there. The worst, and I'm really sorry, Dave, but it's the flux capacitor. Like. It doesn't make sense. I mean, I know it doesn't make sense because it's time travel, but <laughs> you've got to get up to 88 miles an hour. You've yep. got to be reliant on having enough road mm-hmm. to get that far, that fast, just to get out of there. Like, things can happen. A bus could pull out on you. <laughs> There's no way that you're going to be able to get up to 88 miles an hour. And you have got reliant to have on use. too much.
2: And you've got to have access to some kind of nuclear reactor or fusion as well, <laughs> I the car.
0: Yeah. And it keeps breaking down. I don't know if you've noticed that, but in every <laughs> film, it breaks.
2: In fairness, that was going to be my joint best and worst because going <laughs> the future in that kind of car is fantastic, but like all the points you've made is accurate about why mm. it's the worst as well.
0: Yeah. Steve, what's yours?
1: Um, my worst is going to be from the, t- the Tomorrow War, but we can't talk about it. Can we? It'll ruin everything. <laughs> <laughs> it just doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Yeah. Um, the best and the best is the tireless obviously Um, things that for me it's always a case of well if you went back then all kinds of shit can happen there's no rules or you know like fixed points in time like I don't know they're talking about Doctor Who again like things like they're saying there all the time but these things happen and in Loki they say these things happen and they can't be changed well why can't they change? Why? If you've Mm. already gone back in time then what's stopping you? Some rule, it's it doesn't make any sense at all. So that's that. It's always a kind of suspension of disbelief when they bring that kind of shit out. So yeah, for me, if you're going back in time, then it then it's open floor. Do what you want.
0: That's fair. I also thought I don't know. This is another TV one, but the quantum leap. (laughs) Like you're so reliant on. Like, he has no choice over where he's going. He's reliant on Ziggy sending him to the right place. And then the poor fucker doesn't know where he is, what <laughs> year it is, or how he's going to get on to the next one. Like, it sounds like a living nightmare, that one does. I-, I don't know if either of you have seen The Time Traveler's Wife. Yeah. Like, obviously, the end of that film, that- that's a really bad experience of time travel. I don't want to spoil it for people. Apparently, they're making a HBO TV series with Mm. Stephen Moffat writing it. Yeah. So that should be quite good because the film was a massive disappointment on the book. But yeah. So for me, my question is, in honour of Matt not being here this week, I want to know who is your favourite Scottish actor that isn't Hugh McGregor and a film in which they used their actual Scottish accent and it can't be Train Spotting either. (laughs) So... (laughs) So, Dave, a Scott and a Scottish accent. Right, I'm going to
2: put a question out here, because I always feel it's not a kind of Scottish version. Are we counting Sean Connery when he's in Hollywood films? Because sometimes I feel like he's doing a version of a Scottish accent. It's a Scottish, a
0: Scottish accent. accent. Like, he can be trying to do an American, <laughs> but it's still a Scottish accent.
2: Because I would say him in, in Janet Jones and the Holy Grail, is it the third one? Him... That's Crusade. Yeah, that's Crusade? Crusade, that's it. Yeah. It's great, just because I love the way he says Junior. It's <laughs> the way he says it. It's <laughs> good a phrase, yeah. yeah. That is um, such a good film. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think I'd, I'd go for Sean Connery instantly for that one. And uh, obviously anything with David Tennant when he actually does his Scottish accent.
4: Because
1: mm. it's great. Yeah. It's true. Mine was going to be Sean Connery as well. <laughs> um, but in... Both in Thunderball and The Rock, just because mm-hmm. he actually. That's. It's one of those weird things though, that you kind of, your acting kind of changes over time naturally, anyway, depending on where you are, who you're with, that kind of thing. And looking back, when we talk about Andy's favourite subject in the world of it being Bond, anyway, and going back and thinking, where do I start to rewatch these all before the new one comes out? And there was actual people moaning about it that he's an English, it's an English role, even though he's Scottish and playing, not even remotely trying to hide it, <laughs> that Ian Fleming wrote kind of retrofitted it, the story back to have Bond's dad being Scottish to accommodate it. Oh, right. Okay. So if that's going to happen, then Sean Connery has to win as usual.
4: Mm.
0: I saw the trailer for the new Bond film today when I went to see um Black Widow. I've got to say, it actually looked quite interesting, the new Bond film did. I mean, I've no interest in going back and watching the other ones, and it does feel like they all sort of link into this one, but I'd be tempted to watch this, but I'm not sitting through the others. No I think
1: got, uh, Skyfall and Spectre are fine. Mm. I've seen
0: Is Skyfall the one that ends in the house in Scotland? Yes. yes. That's a good I've film. I've seen that one. I didn't like it. I thought it was shit. <laughs> <laughs> I really hated it. I
1: just watch just watch Spectre then then there you
0: go. Okay, and which one Spectre is that? The one with Dave Bautista?
1: I think
2: so. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. I
0: might give that a go because I do like uh, Big Dave. To be fair,
2: I think I think with the new Bond film, two reasons for me: one, because it's been we've been waiting for it for so long, I just want to now see whether it was any good in the first place. <laughs> but because they brought on um, Phoebe Waller-Bridge to do a like revise the script, yeah. Is a big reason yeah. for me because I'm a big fan of hers. With Fleabag, and I do did, did you ever watch Crashing as well?
0: I did. Yeah, I really enjoyed that.
2: So, and I'm also intrigued to see what she's going to be like in the Indiana Jones as well.
0: Mm, yeah. And what? Because I know she's doing something with uh, Donald Glover as well.
2: Yes, Mr. So and Mrs. Smith.
0: Community. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. Just because I, I love him as well. I think he's a yeah. exceptional talent. So yeah, I'm quite looking forward to that. Uh, my Scottish answers, I've obviously got two. I've got a actor and an actress. The actor is Peter Capaldi. Mm-hmm. And the film I'm going for is In The Loop, where he plays his famous uh, Malcolm Tucker character. I just think there is no one as inventive with his swearing as Malcolm Tucker, and it is genuinely fucking hilarious. Like I love Armand Yanucci's work as a writer and a director. And this is like the perfect storm for him is in the loop, so yeah, Peter Capaldi in the loop for me. And I've gone for another Doctor Who alum in Karen Gillen. and there's a film she did which she directs, she wrote and directed and starred in a movie called The Party's Just Begun, and it's a movie about someone who's lost their best friend and how she's trying to get her life back on track for a direct for a directorial debut. She did a fantastic job. It's really heartfelt and kind of heart-wrenching at the same time. Really well done. So, Karen Gillan, party's just beginning for me. So, up next, we are going for a picture pod, and it is going to be Trespass. Get yourself onto justwatch.com, and you can see where it's streaming near you. It's worth a view. It is something else indeed, that film. Obviously, if you've seen it, please get in contact. Let us know. You can uh, let us know your thoughts to cagefightingpod at gmail.com or on the Twitter at cagefightingpod. Uh, Obviously, as you're listening to us now, please make sure that you are subscribing or following whatever your podcatcher tells you you need to do. And we would thoroughly appreciate a review. to let us know what you're enjoying. So finally, thank you very much for your time this week. And for this week, And he said Matt then. (laughs) Uh, Stu, would you like to say goodbye? It's really thrown me, Matt, not being here.
1: (laughs) Take it easy, guys. Stay safe.
0: Dave, thank you very much for joining us again. We thoroughly appreciate your time. Would you like to say goodbye to the uh, listeners?
2: I'll say goodbye to the listeners. Uh, Thanks for having me on, guys. It's been great once again. I've been really enjoying the series as usual. Um, So I'm looking forward to listening back to this and to many more in the future.
0: Thank you very much. It's goodbye from me and remember, be excellent to each other.